Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need a fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Hello and welcome to Clash of the Titles, the podcast that pits two movies with lots in common in a fight to the death to see which one comes out victorious. This week in the red corner, we talk the movie that was dubbed Indiana Jane on being announced, with Angelina Jolie bringing the iconic video character to the big screen and Conair's Simon West in the director's chair. What could possibly go wrong? We'll find out as we talk 2001's Lara Croft, Tomb Raider. While in the blue corner, more pixelated pilferers of precious pieces of history get the big screen treatment as Tom Holland and Mark Wahlberg are the treasure-hunting duo of PlayStation fame, Nate and Sully, with Zombieland's Ruben Fleischer calling the shots from 2022. It's Uncharted. We are running out of time. And if we fail... We must wait another 5,000 years. Well, I don't know about you, but that's more time than I'm prepared to commit to this enterprise. I'm like literally in a Papa John's right now. Sully, we're running out of time! Found it. Excuse me, guys. Oh. I'm gonna need a minute. We do not have a minute! So, it's a pixelated punch-up this week, but which film is better? Let's find out together. Welcome to Clash of the Titles. Release the Kraken! Hello, Clash Putters. It's a time storm. Time is broken here. I'm Alex Zane. I'm Vicky Crampton. And no Chris this week. He's currently busy doing his favourite hobby of fracking. <laughs> so, just the two of us. <laughs> He's such a fracker. He loves it. He does. He's fracking everywhere. Yeah, he couldn't do it for a few years because protests, and now he's back, I think. Remember I had that barbecue in my back garden, and we were like, where's Chris? Fracking. Yeah, he's uh, drilling for shale gas, yeah. so busy, busy. I've, I've got subsidence now. It's, uh, it's all because <laughs> of Chris and his love of fracking. But he is away, so be damned with timekeeping and structure. Let's just see what happens. Daddy's away. Welcome, then, to part one of Lara Croft, Tomb Raider versus Uncharted. If you're new to the show, this is how it works. We're going to be doing Tomb Raider today and Uncharted on Thursday, at which point we'll declare which is the better film. I think it's a close battle this week. I do, too. Good. Yeah. Good. Yeah. Because sometimes <laughs> yeah. movies not good... Yeah, are parallel in the... What's not? Matched in their not goodness. Mm. Yeah. yeah, it's what do you what do you want? Do you want to always talk about good movies or do you want a fair fight? Because last week <laughs> that's we, such a good question. We talked about it? a great movie in Seven, but was it really a fair fight? No, this week fair fight. I think we should ask people: Would you rather a fair fight? Or would you rather quality? Because you can't often have both. We and we do find that really hard. It is true. It is true. Get on Twitter at ClashPod. Um, uh, the clue you gave on last week's show was Xbox marks the spot, mm. but not for you, man. Makes sense. Uh, it does, because obviously, as you explained to me afterwards, mm-hmm. 
PlayStation. Yep. Uncharted, yep. exclusive title. Mm-hmm. Xbox, Tomb Raider is available. It is, yeah. Does it make sense? It does. It does. I think I got confused because Tomb Raider... When I had Tomb Raider, which we'll get into, the Xbox didn't even exist. Yeah, I know. But that was back in the day. But we'll get into that. So, uh, Chris followed that up on Twitter with a gif of Hudson in the best alien film, Aliens, saying, game over, man, game over. (laughs) Very clever. He asked me what I would have done. I was like, you could put a gif of Pixels, the much maligned Adam Sandler movie up there. Right. But we agreed that we (laughs) we didn't want Pixels sullying (laughs) (laughs) our timeline in any way, shape or form. So your guesses were found in the tomb. This is our Twitter account where we are at ClashPod, also on Instagram and TikTok at ClashPod. And if you're in the business for a little extra Clash, subscribe to the Clash of the Titles YouTube channel where you get some lovely Clash of the Titles, some of the best clashing we've ever done, absolutely free. So it would be lovely if you'd subscribe to our Clash of the Titles YouTube. Guess-wise, ooh, congrats to who got it right. And I had to be very strict with this because obviously there is a 2018 Tomb Raider as well as this Tomb Raider. So you had to either have written Lara Croft Tomb Raider, this movie, or Tomb Raider 2001, which actually cut down the number of correct guesses to Ian Robson, who got it right. But our winner this week with the first correct guess, Gary Dunn. Congratulations, he done it, and he's one of the 237 Garys who listen to the show. <laughs> Your prize, Gary, is to fight a robot in a mansion, because that's definitely what Tomb Raider fans were desperate to see in the first Tomb Raider movie, a robot fighting. I mean, you didn't play the game. No. No robots in it. Is there not? Not in the first one, at least. What a strange creative well, the choice, then. Either. Yeah. <laughs> we'll, we'll, talk, we'll talk about that in a moment. Uh, right, then. Connection section. Auctions. <sighs> Yes, I've got a really good one. Mm. Introducing your lead and they're upside down. Think about it. Think about it. Oh, good, yeah. That's a really good one. That is really good. Yeah, I, yeah, I sort of I had a similar one. Big, big CGI openings, sort yeah. of opening mid-action. Yeah. Uh, heroes who are missing a family member very much. And they have a flashback, flashback scene with missing relative. <sighs> yeah, that's good, isn't it? Things that aren't keys being used as keys yeah, mine slash bit, bit inserting in. <laughs> things into holes. I'm going to say treasure because I think someone should. Sure. I'm also going to say based on video games. Don't. <laughs> Take that back. Yeah, fair enough. That's all I've got. Uh, falling over waterfalls. Sure. Or at least she jumps. Yeah. He falls. A French plat does not even come undone. No. It doesn't, does no. it? She can French plat like no one else. But that's because... She is a flawless character. <laughs> Nothing goes wrong. <laughs> Nothing that happens to her does she even bat an eyelid at. In fact, true, in fact, when giant statues of Carly come to life, she smiles and goes, obviously. <laughs> obviously. This yeah. is no surprise. Yeah, obviously magic. Uh, final one, competing groups of treasure hunters. Yeah. There is an interesting sort of similarity in so much as the good guys are after the treasure while the bad guys are after the treasure because Indiana Jones did it very well. So yes. why not? Why not do it again? Why not do Raiders again? Again and again. Yeah. Belloc, they're not. Okay, let's get into this. On Thursday, Vicky will be mapping Uncharted, which means today we're going to have a Lara Lara fun. <laughs> can i just tell everyone you are so jet lagged that's good (laughs) like just to say you are super jet lagged yeah i am and thanks you've really you've you've come to the table with something right and i mean i'm very shocked if i'm honest that means drink some more of this coffee just to combat the massive amounts of what time do you think it is it's actually what time is it? So it's eight hours behind. So it's about it's three thirty as we record this, which makes it I don't know morning in LA. So actually, okay. I should be waking up around now. Great. Okay. Let's hope so. Yeah. We'll find out together. Brilliant. Mm, yeah. It's interviewing Christopher Nolan in LA. What? <laughs> Let me just sorry. pick last one. <laughs> Yeah, chatting Oppenheimer. I'm sorry, I should have asked. Uh, right then. So we're going to have a Lara Lara fun with Tomb Raider. Let me take you on a journey. We meet Lara in an ancient tomb, about to collect a valuable relic, when a four-armed robot appears, attacks her. She stops it by ripping out some wires and replacing a Kill Lara mini-disc with a Lara Party Mix mini-disc, at which point the robot plays Outcast from its speaker system, which all Killbots have. Turns out we're not in a tomb, but Lara's mansion, which has a full replica tomb, so <laughs> Lara can practice fighting giant four-armed robots should she visit an actual tomb and discover a giant four-armed robot in it. 
After that, the Illuminati, Rimmer, planets aligning, <laughs> a statue of Carly, the dead zone, time travel, the robots back, the end, which is as much explanation as this amazing film gives us as to why anything happening in the order it happens actually happens. Clash Brothers, for your consideration, the masterpiece that is Lara Croft, Tomb Raider. Mm-hmm. So, what's your history with this movie? I've seen it once, uh, God knows when, but I have watched Mark play the game a little bit. Mm. He tried to make the children play it because he's quite into, like, we've got a really old console, we've got a really old PlayStation. Yeah, you won't get them a new one, will we you? We won't get them a new one, not no. yet. Like, this time, it's time for all that. Um, they're very expensive. They, they, so, they are famously. Famously quite expensive. Uh, so, I, he tried to make them play it, they thought it was boring. That's my Tomb Raider history. What? They like what, old games. What console but, is it? It's a PlayStation 3. PlayStation 3? Okay, so not, not old, old, not first No, generation. but we, when we met, he had a PlayStation 1, and I watched a bit of that, you know, mm. what it's like, you know, trying to... Did you hear the unfounded story? I couldn't find any verification on whether it's true that Angelina Jolie took the role of Laura Croft to piss off Johnny Lee Miller, her ex-husband, who oh, was really? a huge fan of Tomb Raider. Wow. If, if that's true, props to her. <laughs> she did, I think, make the joke that she was upset at the time that it was Laura keeping him up all night and not her. Aww. Oh, oh God. Mm. What an idiot. <laughs> <laughs> You're pushing the wrong buttons. I am literally standing here. <laughs> and I am Angelina Jolie. What the fuck have I got to do? I've drawn an X here and a Y here. Press those fucking buttons, Just Johnny. Press X <laughs> over and over again. That's right. And X. And X. And now Y. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so my history with it is I uh, I was very, I was quite clever. So I bought a brand new console in the mid-90s. Uh, I was very excited about getting a new console. And... Um, I'd heard uh, that Sony were releasing something called the PlayStation, and I laughed. I was like, ah, what are you talking about, Sony? So I bought a Sega Saturn, cool. which lasted about 18 months yeah. before it was defunct. <laughs> but believe the PlayStation's still going. Yeah, they're doing all right. It's something of a hit. <laughs> but yeah, so I was one of those uh, Sega Saturn owners, and uh, this game was the first game I had on it. And uh, there are certain moments in video games that have stuck with me over the years. Uh, and video games in general, not every video game grabs you, but uh, there's a few. Uh, these will mean nothing to you, but Mass, Hi, Mass Effect. Nope. Okay, uh, not Mass Effect. Uh, Bioshock. No. First Bioshock. Very good, very good. Um you have to either save these little children or kill the little children. It dictates the ending. They're evil children. Right. Yeah. <laughs> um, how about, oh, the uh, Call of Duty Black Ops oh, yeah, yeah, moment. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Where you're going down the river in Vietnam and suddenly the Rolling Stones, Sympathy for the Devil comes yes, on. Yes. And you feel like you're in your yes. favourite Nam movie. <laughs> yeah. Right. Okay. So that's one. Uh, but also the moment in the first Tomb Raider game where you're just pootling along busy looking for stuff, ammunition, what have you, medipacks, and suddenly... (laughs) (laughs) I hate portmanteaus like that. It's so ugly. What, a medipack? Medipack. (laughs) Medipack. Weirdly, Eidos, um, when we talk about the history of the making of this movie, Eidos were very, very big on that. They had a meeting with Stephen D'Souza and uh, one of the other writers going, yeah, we really need... um, Laura to pick up medipacks and ammunition at some point. Right. And the guy who Stephen D'Souza was with was about to go, the fuck are you talking about? We'll just write you a movie. <laughs> Stephen D'Souza kicked him under the table and went, yeah, no, that sounds great. Medipacks. Got it. Got it. We'll put that in. But yeah, there's a bit in it where you're just pulling along and suddenly a Tyrannosaurus Rex appears through right. the undergrowth and you're like, the fuck? Okay. Very exciting. Very exciting. So yeah, uh, when the movie came about, I was very excited. Uh, I was a big fan of Lara Croft and I was also quite interested having watched the trailer in which there's a giant robot she's fighting. And at the time, I was like, that's cool. It's the most 90s trailer in the world. <laughs> and I was like, this is cool. The music is unbelievable. Mm. Like, he leans quite heavily on music, I think. Too heavily. Considering it's 2001 yeah. as well, you're like, this is the most 90s soundtrack. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but yeah, and then I, I watched the movie and instantly forgot about it. I've never watched it since. So no. this was like a first watch for me mm. as an adult man (laughs) let me tell you a bit about it then i've got quite a lot of research which was 
stupid considering I now have to relay that research. I'll tell you what, no you don't. Yeah, I do. No, no you don't. Why don't you just, just for brevity, just to keep this thing ticking along, yeah. why don't you pre-see that? Wait, sub that right down. Oh, but you know what I'm like trying to sub stuff down. All right, here we go. Lloyd Levin and Lawrence Gordon, they produced this movie. They're our friends from the Event Horizon episode. Oh yeah. They've also produced many, many films we've talked about, but Event Horizon is the big one because it's legendary. So they hire two writers to work on separate scripts and whichever they think is the better script yeah. gets made, which sounds like a horrific way to have to write a movie, knowing there is another writer out there. Or do you think it motivates you? It sounds like X Factor for script writing. That's <laughs> actually quite a good idea. <laughs> no, so, I think it would be the most soul-crushing, uh, sort of stunting thing I could possibly imagine. It wouldn't do me any good at all. Well, one of the writers was uh, Brent Friedman. He'd written Mortal Kombat 2, Annihilation. So he had a plot involving El Dorado, the lost city of gold, where Lara was going to find a, find a transmutation device mm-hmm. which turned lead into gold, but a terrorist <laughs> wanted to use it to turn gold into plutonium. Ooh, two mm. changes. <laughs> he said that that was making it more contemporary. Um, <laughs> simultaneously, Sarah Chano... Uh, as she was called at the time, she has two ideas. One is Lara looking for the eighth wonder of the world. The other is about harmonic convergence, the aligning of the planets. Ultimately, both scripts get binned. Yeah, Uh, everybody gets paid. It's okay. (laughs) Well, Sarah Chano was given the reason that after Charlie's Angels was a huge hit, they were going to pay another writer, an A-list writer, in their words, more money to do a script Uh, and Brent Friedman was told that uh, the head of IDOS this is quite interesting the head of IDOS read his script got to the page which said El Dorado and immediately put it down and rejected it because he said going for gold was beneath Lara and Brent later found out that's because the guy who owns IDOS his family had diamond mines in South Africa and he viewed diamonds as very very valuable and gold is just a thing you set diamonds in wowzers (laughs) yeah wow wow so both those scripts go away step forward our old friend Stephen D'Souza I love this idea it sounds great I mean you never know if it would have been but he's got a movie about Aristotle and Alexander the Great who had all these adventures that were too terrifying to be shared with the world then Lara because of an earthquake a tomb opens it's Alexander the Great's tomb she finds a scroll and starts following Aristotle and Alexander the Great's path on these adventures right but yep to make it more English, to play into Lara's <laughs> Englishness. Yeah. Yeah. He's got an Agatha Christie element where her band of explorers she's with keep getting bumped off in what look like accidents. <laughs> but no, there's a murderer amongst them. Okay. I like it. I think I like it. It's like Death on the Nile meets yeah. Indiana Jones. Oh, that's a good pitch. Mm. Yeah. Right. Uh, cut that, cut. Nikki. Anything that's a good pitch, we edit out and then try and write it and then put it back in when we can't write it. <laughs> So uh, D'Souza's script uh, included more scenes focusing on Lara's sex appeal. Uh, One scene involved flashing her bosoms to a villain to distract him. Oh, for fuck's sake! (laughs) (laughs) Thought you'd like that. You you haven't heard the best version of a script which involves her breasts. We're coming to that. Jesus Christ. Mm. You don't like that? I don't like it. No? No, I don't. I mean, in fairness, they were still doing that in Swordfish many years later when Halle Berry goes... I've been obsessing about this since we talked about it when we on seven when we were talking about when when you read sex scenes and it's not so much when you see them but when you read them and the way that they're written is that no one's ever done it before and so they're really it's just very it's like afresh do you <laughs> so, know what i mean so you what you're saying is when you read or write a script yeah. and they've put a scene like that in you yeah. can tell the the excitement is coming through the words of they're like check this moment out it's more for me like it, the woman is reacting like that's never been in that place before. And often if they... What, her breasts have never been where they are? It's like No, a like surprise. her penis has never been anywhere near it. Like, she's a little bit scared of it, and <laughs> but in a really good way. And then when it's in kind of thing, there's a lot of, like, there's a lot of arched backs. There's a lot of, like, oh, whatever. sorry, right. right. I mean. So you're talking about actual sex scenes in films. Yeah. Right, yeah. So it's all, that's fine. It's a movie or whatever. But boob flashing as well... You grow up thinking that that like it's such a weird thing that men write these scenes where it's like if a woman flashed her boobs, all men are just like, well, I I can't function now. I've dropped my gun. <laughs> I appear to have dropped my gun and forgotten my job. And I just, it's funny, 
But it's very troubling for me when you've got, you know, oh God, this this idea of Laura Croft as this strong film or whatever is paper thin anyway, but let's not dismantle the fucking thing. Mm. That's it. That's all I have to say about that. Okay. I mean, you know, we got a lot of female-led action movies after this. This was kind of one of the first. This and Charlie's yeah. Angels around this period. And she doesn't get her tits out, so great. <laughs> she doesn't. Uh, <laughs> Because they cut those scenes. They were actually in it. <laughs> yeah. But to get their PG-13 rating, <laughs> yeah. put those puppies away. <laughs> Why is she having a shower for 20 minutes? <laughs> Just because she is. <laughs> but in Ned's defence, like, they put Daniel Craig I in honestly it. Would jumped out of my chair. I yeah. was like, good for you. I honestly thought, I, I, was, it. I was like, oh, two? Are you kidding? Yeah. There actually was a second where she's showering in a waterfall, but they cut that out. But, but they mess around with me, which I love. I love being to- like, told off back to me because mm-hmm. the scene opens and all you see is the head of the shower. And, yeah. and you, me, being and me are like fuck off I can't believe it and then it's Daniel Craig and I was like that's correct brilliant yeah I was surprised as well I loved it good good <laughs> see there is stuff to love in this movie yeah lots of stuff uh, anyway Paramount loved D'Souza's script but then Mystery Men comes out now this seems like a bit of a reach but Paramount considered Mystery Men in the same ballpark as Tomb Raider it's adapted from a comic book this is adapted from a video game Mystery Men flops badly I don't even remember it it's Ben Stiller it's loads of weird superheroes there's a guy who says he can be invisible but he's not invisible no I don't remember it no, sorry right. <laughs> it it's, sounds hilarious though it's not okay uh, it's all right it's one of, it's I'll, I'll tell you it's your favorite phrase something of a cult classic now <laughs> Hmm? Oh, it must be great. As in, as in, no one went to see it, <laughs> yeah. and now it's a cult classic. <laughs> yeah. So, they go, D'Souza's script is too expensive, and here's something that seems crazy. They bring in a couple of new writers, Patrick Massett and John Zinman. This is the first feature they'd worked on, and their job is to cut that budget down. They hand in their script... Paramount reject it. They hire in the face-off writers, right. Mike Webb and Michael Collery. They hand in a draft, Christmas 1999. Everyone loves this draft. Mm-hmm. The studio loves it. The video game company love it. It is the script they have been waiting for. Like D'Souza's script, it does play up Lara's sex appeal. There's a scene where she uses her breasts to crush <laughs> a giant millipede. <laughs> Did you expect that? I just give up. At this point. Come on, that's at least they're doing something different. She doesn't distract the millipede. She actually crushes it with her breasts. I'm so interested to know the mechanics of that, but I actually also don't want to know. <laughs> it sounds pretty obscene. It now that I can see what you can yeah, see, I believe. Exactly. I think like there's the top something of it, like peep it right. gross. Gross. <laughs> Awful. What's wrong because with people? It can't be crawling along horizontally and she just whumps them onto it because that's stupid. So and it, she can't roll over. Or maybe she could. Like it's on the ground and she's asleep and yeah. she does I'm gonna squash it and flops on top of it. So you know full well it's crawling between them and then Yeah. Whether she uses her hands or just muscular, like crushing a billet, who knows? I'll tell you what, there's a world of difference in that. And if it is muscles, then it's fine. Okay. <laughs> Weirdly. That's good. That's good. Uh, So names are starting to be mentioned at this point. Jolie, obviously, Kate Beckinsale, Catherine Zeta-Jones. There's talk of Rennie Harlan directing. Nothing gets finalised. Time is running out. Enter Simon West. He's hired as the director. He's made Con Air. He was given a lot of creative control. He reads all five or six scripts that have been done at this point. He doesn't like Webb and Colliery's script. Doesn't mention the millipede, just says he doesn't like it. (laughs) This is the script everyone loved. He likes the script from first-time writers, Massa and Zinman, which had been rejected. But because of Con Air and the success of that movie, he's allowed to adapt that script and write it himself. So, D'Souza's take on this. The first thing he did was come in and say the script was rubbish. Uh, what he's done is that he knows he's come in. He knows he's the white knight saving the project for Paramount. He knows they're on a tight schedule and he says he wants creative control and a fresh start. The face-off writers put this in a different way. They just let the director run amok. Mm. Nevertheless, Wet gets the script he wants. He's allowed to pick his lead. I mean, the names. It's sort of a who's who of female actors at that point. You've got Jennifer Love Hewitt, Famke Janssen, Jennifer Lopez, Rona Mitra, Elizabeth Hurley, Ashley Judd, Sandra Bullock, Catherine Zeta-Jones, Diane Lane, Demi Moore. Favourite among fans? Remembering uh, who, who they the... are. <laughs> Go on. They won't come as a surprise. Considering, consider movies that captivated teenage boys in the mid-90s. It's a scene in a swimming pool. It involves two actresses (laughs) at the peak of their powers. Yeah. Which one of them? 
Denise Richards. Yeah, all right. Yeah. So uh, Wild Things was on a lot of teenage <laughs> boys' minds at that point. So Denise Richards, the favourite. Uh, West also does, in fact, genuinely meet Victoria Beckham. Shut the front door. <laughs> mm, mm, he says it was... By accident. Or... <laughs> <laughs> he, she was shutting her front door and he was walking past it. Yeah, he... Um, he said it was her fan base. Her fan base uh, were really, really pushing for it. So I met her. Sorry, her fan base. The Spice Girl fans. But yeah, look, I'm going to be me. She's, I think she's had a brilliant career and she's an excellent designer. But as one of the Spice Girls, mm. she was no one's favourite. I don't think that's true. But she was the most Lara Crofty. No, untrue. Really? Scary Spice, obviously. 100%. Okay. All right, fair enough. Fair enough, I guess so, with the, the leopard skin, you know, it's, it feels very... Attitude, right. skills, and that. she can kick things, mm. as evidenced in the video. Victoria Beckham never moved. The most impressed uh, Mel B, Scary Spice, ever was with me, Yeah. wait for this story, is yeah. when I was on uh, the Alan Titchmarsh ITV daytime show and it was a wine tasting thing and I was very hungover right. and she didn't want to drink hers so I downed hers live <laughs> on TV as well and she genuinely seemed like impressed by that. She's from Leeds she was as like, well, isn't she? you're a lot of fun. <laughs> I was like, thank you. This is embarrassing, but I'm on TV drinking a downing wine. Downing warm Do wine. The worst part about that story, uh, the Alan Titchmarsh show called my agent the following day and went, we loved him down in the wine. Can he come back on? I'm like, it's a one trick thing. If I keep coming on and downing wine, it's like, what is that for me? God, but do you know what? The path not travelled. Do you know what I mean? Like sliding doors moment for you, no? I should have said yes. Who knows where you'd be now? Yeah, yeah, drunk, uh, definitely. So uh, he said he met Victoria Beckham, but I was looking for a serious actor, his yeah, words. Okay. His words. So he decides on Jolie because of her darkness, both because of roles like Girl Interrupted and her off-screen persona. He said before the films came out, Lara was seen as this inflatable Barbie doll character, and that's exactly what I didn't want her to be. You're fighting against what Lara Croft looked like anyway. She was that vavavoom physique, and Angelina had that physique, but she was also much darker. Sure. Which I guess. Fans don't like her casting. Um, <laughs> some... Teenage boys, let's say, uh, felt she wasn't physically appropriate enough to play. Physically appropriate? Mm. Why? Well, she looks exactly like her. Well, Jolie said, come on, I'm not so flat-chested to begin with. When I wear a tight T-shirt, I look a certain way. So it wasn't like we had to completely change me. We just had to enhance me a little. I'm a 36C. I can't believe she's saying this. Feeling, wow. Feeling obliged to say this, to answer those fans, but it's Jolie. I'm a 36C. Sorry, I'm surprised by that bra size. Because... I just am sorry because she looks very narrow. She's got a narrow back. She's a very skinny lady. Okay, thirty six seems like maybe she's got a massive rib cage. Anyway, sorry, privately. <laughs> 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 Huge rib, ribs. <laughs> no, because the C is the cup. Right. You know this. You do know this. Why not? <laughs> <laughs> I have to fill my head with so much stuff. I'm sort of like, well, why would I need to know that? I, that's fair. That's true. But the 36 is the measurement round the back. Right. Okay. She seems really skinny to me, right. so I'm surprised by that. But I, that's her truth, so who am I to say? Well, Lara Croft is a 36D as the character. Really? Mm. That is so interesting to me. Okay. Yeah, it is. Okay. I mean, she's a video game character, but she is a 36D. <laughs> that's weird now you've said that, isn't it? Mm, a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> oh, sorry. Uh, in the game, she's a double D. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Okay. That makes more sense. Right. Right. So uh, other fans, uh, they weren't convinced that Jolly was right because Lara is like, hello, how do you do? Mm. English. And she had a bit of a controversial personal life. Simon West dismissed these concerns. And in reference to Jolie's penchant for sexual knife play, <laughs> it was Angelina. I mean, Lara sleeps with knives and doesn't take shit from anybody. That's Angelina down to a T. They are lucky to have her. She's perfect casting. And I remember... I remember when she was cast, even though I have zero interest really in watching it, and even I was like, well done you, that's going to save that film. Mm. She couldn't be more perfect. Mm. I think she's great in it as well. Of course. Uh, Simon West hands in his first cut. It's 130 minutes long. It's described by Paramount as unwatchable. Wowzers. Mm. 
So, uh, referencing David Hughes' wonderful book, Tales from Development Hell, The Greatest Movies Never Made, according to that, they brought in famous edit fixer Stuart Baird, who'd mm. fixed Superman the movie, The Omen, Lethal Weapon. He'd just done MI2 for Paramount. So he was told to re-edit this movie, make it better. Has he got a cool nickname? So not the fixer, but something in that wheelhouse. Like when you see, God, what's that quote from Nobody? You know the film Nobody? Yeah. And it's like, when I knock at your door, you know that you're dead mm. kind of thing. So when Stuart Baird walks in the room, you know that you're yeah. done. Like you, yeah. it's not your movie anymore. Like he should have a cool name. Right, right, I don't right, know what right, it is. Right. I'll leave that with you. He'll make a movie, Fly Like a Baird. <laughs> Oh, don't ever put me on the spot. Sorry, I know not to as well. That's not even that bad. Yeah, yeah. bed on a wire. Bed on, here comes the bed, yeah. man. What? What I'm trying Yours to. Yours is worse. Of course, it's rubbish. As well. That's why I asked you. I just mean. Why are we still trying? Um, <laughs> no, but there is one. There is, there is one. Uh, He's here. Stuart's here. Yeah. You mean the her? Oh my god! Because you you're the director. Yeah. And you don't know he's coming. Yes. He's a bird from behind. <laughs> something a bird, a bird from behind. Something there. He's come from behind. Anyway, yeah. He gets uh, he gets to re-edit it, and his proviso is he gets to direct Star Trek Nemesis. Cool. Uh, Simon West says that's not true. He says he fell out with Paramount about the funniness of it. He had loads more comedy in it between Mr. Pims, you know, the guy from Greenwing, Julian Ryan. Oh yeah, he's good. Yeah. And Daniel Craig. They had a lot of funny scenes because they knew each other in real life. Yeah. And so there was a lot of uh, to and fro with them. Zingers. Yeah, apparently so. All got cut. All got cut. So, Baird gets it down from 130 minutes to 88. That must be so fun to do that. It's just so satisfying. Chop, chop, chop. Because <laughs> it's not your movie. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> sure, yeah. I mean, of course that is. I would love to do that. Yeah, and uh, who knows where those scenes are now. Where I don't think we're ever going to see it, bearing in mind we're over 20 years later. But uh, only seven minutes of deleted scenes are available on YouTube, which are just so-so. Uh, Jolie said she was disappointed uh, with how Lara's sexual appeal was scaled down for the movie. She thought Lara wasn't sexy enough in the final film. Okay. But that's... Uh, I'm, I'm still pretty sexy. Still pretty sexy. <laughs> you do, just that. No, just, no, I'm very happy. Very, <laughs> very happy. Uh, there's so much guff about writing credits because Simon West uh, said, I, I basically wrote this. It immediately yeah. goes into arbitration. Uh, Stephen D'Souza uh, says he can't believe Simon West got the archaic term, which I believe is a term that you don't frequently see, adapted by oh. in the credit. So he gets an adapted by credit. Uh, Sarah Chano gets a story credit. Uh, Brent Friedman gets sent the scripts, reads the shooting script that they finally went with and says to the Writers Guild, I don't want my name on this in any way, shape or form. <laughs> It would be totally hypocritical of me to say, hey, put my name on it so that I can make a bunch of money, to which Stephen D'Souza says, in my opinion, many people say that and it's not true. Yeah, I'll have the money. Right. What's the big deal? Right. It's fine. Hmm. Uh, the face-off guys get a story credit as well. And they just go on to write to the Matthew... Uh, sorry, and... Uh, but the screenplay credit goes uh, to Zinman and Massett. So they get the screenplay credit, their first ever screenplay. Yeah. Didn't do a lot of features until Gold, you know, the Matthew McConaughey movie. Oh, yeah. And they did that. And uh, they're currently writing. I didn't even know this was in production. It doesn't sound like any of the original cast are returning. But uh, a sequel to the brilliant Jeremy Renner movie, the Taylor Sheridan movie, Wind River. Oh, I've heard that's amazing. Mm, yeah. Is it really good? It is. Uh, I don't know whether Wind River, the next chapter, is going to live up to the original. Okay. But there you go. So, that's pretty much everything. I think you did really well. Is that all Great right? Great trip, yeah. Thanks very much, yeah. I, was, I got quite fascinated by it. Uh, Charno said uh, <laughs> of the finished film, I liked my script better. <laughs> Cool. Like. Gracious. Friedman said, I didn't even understand the plot. It was totally baffling. It is baffling. <laughs> That's fair. D'Souza said, I thought it was a train wreck and so did the studio. <laughs> but I'll leave the final word to Simon West, who in suitably cryptic fashion said, uh, if you can find good stuff, you can find good stuff. And there's no bigger critic than myself. So it doesn't matter if people think it's good or it's great. <laughs> <laughs> what an ego. <laughs> I'll always be finding faults with it. It doesn't matter if people think... Not, never bad, no. In its defence, it was 
the seventh video game adaptation ever made into a movie, only the seventh, and it was by far the most successful. It was a huge hit, made a lot of money, is still in the top 12 most profitable video games of all time. The video game, the film, the as in... The, video, uh, the, the film. The right, film okay. is the 12th highest grossing yeah. video game adaptation. Do you want to hear what's number one? You probably know this. It's out at the moment. Oh, God, Mario. Yeah. Yeah. Mario. Uh, Mario, Warcraft in second, Detective Pikachu in third, oh, Rampage yeah. fourth, uh, Uncharted, Sixth. Thursday's movie. Sixth. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, turned Angelina into an A-lister. That's the big news. Yes. I was sort of, I thought she was. I don't know why, but maybe I was just, I've just lost track of history. But she done a, she was in a, gone in 60 seconds in a small role. She won the Oscar for Girl Interrupted, yeah. but this is what turned her into a bona fide movie star. I agree. Right then, let's take a break and then go through this baby. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. All right then. So, first port of call. Okay. I don't think you should start with your sexy hero uh-huh. upside down on a rope. Why? Because I know what it's like to be. I remember to be sexy and upside down <laughs> on a rope. Is that what you're going to say? No one looks cool upside down on a rope. Because you don't. She does. But all the blood's rushing Sorry, to her I've head. Buried, I've buried your lead. Why were you upside down? What are we doing? No, I mean, I've just been upside down before on a rope. There's no big story. Have you? I was rescuing some people. <laughs> Do you remember there was a, an issue at the Iranian embassy in the 80s? <laughs> when you were three? Yeah. yeah. So uh, they called me in because I could fit in the vents. So I don't want to take a lot of credit away from the SAS. And a lot has already been written about it. And, you know, what more is it to say at this point? But, like, like you, they've buried my story. So, 
You heard it here first. Yeah. I've never been upside down on a rope. But as it will come as no great surprise, I'm shit at PE, right? So I used to get nervous when they were like shimmy up that rope. It's something I've never been able to do. I used to do gymnastics. It's harder than you think. Well, that's why I can't do it. Mm. It's really, but some kids could just be like, boom, 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 and up they went. I did gymnastics, but I've never scaled a rope and therefore never been upside down on a rope. Okay. So I'm very impressed that you have. Thanks for If you're much. not lying. About the Iranian embassy, I'm not. <laughs> that is a hundred percent fact. I just did. I didn't make the TV footage or the news because, uh, like, you know, you're not meant to employ children to rescue hostages. But there <laughs> no, you go. There you go. Um, in the trailer, I was like, "Cool, she fights a robot." I was disappointed. This was a training exercise, a little bit. So look, I have no skin in this game. I didn't know the robot spider wasn't in the thing mm. in, the, in the whatever it makes zero sense like she i don't and i also don't know what laura croft is as a fighter she does a lot of i'm just going to shoot the shit out of everything and i i didn't know if that was i thought maybe the game i thought maybe it was more like uncharted with a bit of running and jumping she does a little bit of running and jumping there's a bit where she's got two on two ropes and she swings back and forth that's from the game right that's yeah but the bigger thing here let's address this right now yeah this film does not bother to explain who Lara Croft is. It doesn't explain really where she got her money. It doesn't yeah. explain whether she's been on previous adventures or this is her first adventure, other than a few statements where I go, time to save the universe again. It's like, she saved the universe before. <laughs> yeah. It's sort of like, it, I, I love the confidence of a, a movie adaptation to go, well, if you don't know the game, yes. that's on you. Yeah, but then it's we're going to talk about this a lot. Is that part of the reason they don't always do the business that people want them to do? That it doesn't it doesn't have parity with the amount of video game sales because they don't go to the trouble of going let's make a real proper story and like get you know you could watch this and enjoy it if you didn't know the game and you they fall in between the two, don't they? Let's service the you know fan service yep. and uh, let's try and create something. I think you can forgive. Tomb Raider a little more than perhaps you can forgive more recent video game adaptations. Because I think more recent adaptations, the storytelling in video games is a billion times yes. better than what it was in Tomb Raider 1 and 2, which were the only two games that had come out when this movie was made. The stories were negligible, or not negligible, but nothing compared to, say, The Last of Us yeah. or Uncharted, which yes. we're going to talk about on Thursday. So they weren't really given a story to adapt from the video game. Yeah, here. that's true. Anyway, we've got the fight with the robot. Then, just in case they were worried about losing their teenage audience, she's in the shower. <laughs> there was more nudity in the original cup. All gone. <laughs> then we meet Ian Glenn as Manfred Powell. <laughs> He's fantastic. God, there's a man who goes, I don't care how bad this script is. <laughs> I am going to deliver. I want to be in it and I'm going to be really in it. It's just, I love it. You know, if the minute in a film is, we're going to Venice, you're like, yes. <laughs> because it's, gonna, yeah. it's obviously going to be ominous and weird. It's just, yeah, I like that. And because Indiana Jones did it. So it's yeah. like, where, where's Indy been? Venice? That works. That works yeah. for us. Well, you didn't have Venice in the script. It's just cross out Barcelona. <laughs> Venice. And there's one moment in this which will come to, which I swear, it's, I went, oh, I got chills. And then I was like, why have I got chills? I'm like, oh, because they've borrowed that wholesale from Indiana Jones. <laughs> yes. It's the bit in the temple in Cambodia mm. where the wind blows the cobwebs. And I was like, oh, oh my God. Yeah. And I was like, why did I just react to that? I'm like, okay, it's a penitent man. It's the penitent man test <laughs> from the end of Last Crusade. Oh, that's so true. Brilliant. So uh, Manfred Powell is talking to the Illuminati. Uh, he's there furious with him because he's no closer to finding a thing. Mm -hmm. And they say, you've got no time left. Presumably, he's been looking for it for a while. He's like, you've got no time left. 5,000 yeah. years, we're going to have to wait. He goes, give me a week. It's like, <laughs> what have you been doing till now? <laughs> Nevertheless, we're back in the mansion. Uh, Chris Barry. Oh, Rimmer. So talk me, do you know... Uh, right. Why is he in this film? This, like, is, this is his feature film debut. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I love him in this. And I would have, at the time, I was like, that's so exciting. Love him. Me too. I think a lot of us were. We were like, oh my God, yeah. Rimmer is in yeah, this movie. he should be in all films. Yeah. But he wasn't. No. So why is that? I guess he had a fairly lucrative career doing the British doing, Empire. Oh my God, I forgot about that. And yeah. uh, Red Dwarf, which has been on our screens for yeah. as long as I've been alive almost. But he just could have carved out such a niche for just doing that role always. Mm. I, I, it is a weird one, yeah. considering how big this film was. Daniel Craig's got an interesting quote about how he doesn't like this movie, unsurprising. And he says, I did it because it would raise my profile mm. and it didn't do that. And I get to practice my accent again. <laughs> 
I just, I, it flummoxes me a little bit, like, that these people, like, Chris Barry wasn't, like, the go-to guy for that kind of role. After yes, this, and I Daniel agree. Craig didn't immediately ride the wave because it was such a hit. Yeah, I think, I just think it's the story of the film is that Angelina Jolie is just this, she's just a force of nature, isn't she? Like, there's just, she's so much of everything. She's so perfect mm. in this role for me. And it just overshadows everybody else. You'd forget that Daniel Craig... I forgot Daniel Craig was in it, because who gives a shit? Like? I thought it was Gerard Butler, because I get this in The Cradle of Life, the sequel, completely <laughs> mixed up, uh, because I'm pretty sure the ending is very similar in both. And I was like, does... Where's Gerard Butler? No? Yeah. OK. And also, no, very few man actors. That's what's so good about Angelina Jolie. It takes someone super special if they're sharing a scene. I mean, it's very cringy. Even I don't know if he's written like this. Like, this sort of... God, gross... Like <laughs> quote much sexual tension, mm. which is not really there, because how do you match her? Like it's really difficult, I think, for um, if we're having a heterosexual sex scene there or whatever, for anyone to sort of go toe to toe. I think she, I think she might make certain men feel n like second tier or emasculated or whatever, because she's just this huge presence. Um, and Daniel Craig does has a good goal, but still no. So he just gets like blown out the water by her. There was meant to be more of a romance, as I'm sure you're not surprised to hear, between his character and her character, including a sex scene. Yeah. Uh, when she discovers him in the shower, yes. uh, there was meant to be some romance there. That was all cut out. Yeah. Because uh, uh, Stuart Baird went, no, don't need it, mate. <laughs> AJ minutes, that's my goal. Chop, 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 chop. We could do 90. No, no, no. Those two minutes, they're gone as well. Uh, uh, Rumour has it Martin Clunes was actually the first person oh, for approached the for okay. the butler role. All right. But he doesn't like to work on his wedding anniversary and they were shooting on his wedding anniversary. That's a nice story. Mm, yeah. Yeah. Well, that's made me think well of him. I was neutral before. It does, because it's quite a big movie. <laughs> like, was his marriage in trouble? Do we I don't I have no idea, but yeah. I'm sure you, your your partner would understand. It's like You'd hope so, yeah. But but no. No. <laughs> we are going to that Italian <laughs> restaurant we always go to, or we're over. <laughs> so, uh, something, something, 5,000 years. Um, then we're at an auction, because... That's what rich people do. Yeah. So she's at an auction. They buy all their stuff at auctions. Uh, we meet this suspicious auctioneer uh, who was like, oh, I'm an Illuminati. <laughs> there's a whole scene, deleted scene on YouTube, where um, Ian Glenn beheads him. No! Yeah. Wow! Yeah. Love it! Yeah, he beheads it. It's very, very Highlander. Uh, the way <laughs> it's shot and the fact that Ian Glenn just pulls out this sword and chops his head off. And Great. You see this head rolling along the ground. You're like... That should be in your movie. <laughs> yeah. Anything that references Highlander. So we're 22 minutes in and I'm... Bored, like, bored. I'm, well, I'm like, let's do this now. I cannot. This is my main thing with this movie. I cannot believe. 22 minutes. I'll jump ahead. 40 minutes until we actually are in an exotic location. Yeah. 40 minutes of... An 88-minute film. Yes. I don't know whether you felt this, because I know you know your feelings on structure. Yeah. This, to me, feels entirely off its axis. Yes. Like, I think the structure of this is all over the place. The bit that I thought was the start of Act 2 is midway through Act 2, if not bordering on Act 3. Yeah, I just found... I, just, I think it's because I'm watching it with modern eyes as well. Like, you open with a set piece, that's fine, and it's, it's about time now for another set piece. And mm. so we're going to have the ropes and the breaking in thing... But it's just these films, we do just need to be sent... Some, well, we got to go to Venice, but we didn't get to go with her, so we're not quite on the quest. Yeah, I just... I want to see Jungle. Give me Jungle. It's an adventure movie. That's yeah. what I associate with Laura Croft. I associate Jungles. Yeah, she injured her ankle uh, jumping on that chandelier. Right. As, as you would, but she did do all her own stunts. That's I'm her. sure she did. I think it'd be quite easy. <laughs> no, genuinely, I was watching you, it going... For you? Well, yeah, of course. Up and down that rope, like nobody's yeah. business. That's how, I, that's how I did it at the embassy. <laughs> I didn't see that coming. He's on, it's a three-year-old on two, two bouncy ropes. Yoink! Hostage out the window. Yoink! Chuck that hostage out the window. <laughs> Get a snack. Didn't see Keep me coming. <laughs> Have a tantrum. <laughs> so... We're in the jungle. Let's skip ahead to Cambodia, where it starts to actually get very interesting. Yeah. Because this is where the fun begins, because obviously we're visiting a tomb, because we are a tomb raider. Right. I'm not a fan of the fact she discovers the secret entrance by chance. Uh, she should have some sort of skill there, as opposed to just driving fast and seeing a new entrance. That makes perfect sense, yep. Uh, by all accounts, um, when she was driving that Land Rover through the jungle... 
uh, Angelia was terrified because snakes and other wildlife kept falling in from the canopy above as she oh, was no. driving through it. That's horrendous. Mm. Yeah. So, I mean, I think it sounds quite exciting. It reminds me of that scene in Arachnophobia where they're collecting them all. It's oh, like, yeah. It's <laughs> mm, a good scene. Good scene. So, she visits the place where there's a thing. Yep. It's an infinity stone. It exists not only in time, but in space. Like, like oh, everything. Like most things. <laughs> Uh, we get the call Indiana Jones cobweb scene and then it gets really good because suddenly Carly comes to life yes and as I said at the start Angela goes of course (laughs) (laughs) of course it's come to life yeah but it's fun you're fighting stone flying monkeys yes I'm in I was just yeah because you see the monkey statues and you just think thank god they've come to life Mm -hmm. yeah that was it that's the strength of my feeling there she's got the Badass reloading device that pops out of a backpack where she puts the, you know, you know, I nearly had this as my most valuable whatever, by right. the way. A backpack? But the, the, the cartridges for her pistols uh-huh. pop out. She yeah. just puts the guns behind them and goes, Yeah. Fucking awesome. <laughs> Little gadgets like that. Very cool. So, again, we're going from the temple to a Buddhist temple uh, and because this is desperate to reference other movies from the period, I believe we have what sounds like a parody of the All Saints Pure Shores score from The Beach ah, because right. we're in Southeast Asia. Yeah, OK, mm. good spot. I think so, anyway. Uh, then we see her make a call to Ian Glenn Manfred. <laughs> He's having a massage, <laughs> and after he puts the phone down, he says, Harder, <laughs> which I think is shorthand for pervert. <laughs> I do too. How are we going to show that this man means business? He bosses his masseuse around. Oh, no, that's not quite the thing. But also he's a sicko. It's yeah. like, are you like, uh, you want a hard <laughs> massage? It is actually complete within someone's rights to go, I, I, sorry, could you do that a bit harder? Yeah. I, I really Sports want Sports massage. <laughs> <laughs> the fuck is a sports massage no do you really not know i don't really know i've never had a massage i've told you this before have you really never had one it's a bit like i always feel guilty to dealing with waiting staff because i don't like being waited on yeah yeah. it is awkward yeah right and so like the idea of a massage is that times 10 because you someone is like it's just i don't like someone performing that service no i understand and it took me the you know that you do have to get over that because it's very very enjoyable but it is if you come out of your body for a second and think god this is weird that you're being paid to like push my back a bit (laughs) like and whatever but if you meet the right masseuse and you tend you know for me it tends to be a woman and she's just really into it she just really wants to help you that is a really Mm. lovely experience but you can have a sports massage if if chris was here he would be livid that you don't know what a sports massage massages which if you've got an injury they can like massage it out of you from playing sports i've never had a sports massage i just have to take chris's genuine and regular demeanor towards me and just add in sports massage because <laughs> that's he's livid with me most times <laughs> that we record this show so it, i've had loads of them yeah i tore a thing when i was playing hockey and you're, i had a sports massage. you're an idiot <laughs> you're an idiot for not having one you would be a much better man, and it would specifically be man. You'd be a much better man yeah. if you'd had a sports massage. Yeah, I can't I'll, believe you've not had one. I'll take you. <laughs> we'll, we'll get one together. He would as well, because he's secure like that. Like, yeah, I can imagine he enjoys a massage. Just, just, the smell, just like, it reminds me of like changing room. I, I think I basically have some sort of trauma about changing rooms and PE lessons that I associate anything that, that is in that yeah. environment, like spas. If oh, I went to a spa and it smelled like a PE changing room, I would leave. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're right. I'd, and I, I don't know because I just, I just won't do it. So um, she has a conversation with him in the church. He's smoking, but the movie seems weirdly insistent on not showing you that he's smoking. There's this cut scene where he goes, "Mind if I smoke?" Not in it because they've clearly he's someone on set. Simon West has clearly gone, "Do what you want, Ian. Do what you want." And then Paramount have gone, "You cannot have smoking in this kids movie." And so they've cut around him. So you just see him exhaling, but you never see him inhaling. He's surrounded by smoke. You're like, "Why is there dry ice around him? What's happening?" I didn't notice. Yeah. Uh so we're into the final act. Right. Um, and Lara Croft turns up dressed like one of the Merovingians' henchmen in The Matrix, reloaded. Oh, my God. My notes, with thanks to The Matrix for my whole look. 
<laughs> Unbelievable. It's just like, what are you wearing? Yeah, why have you stolen that? Yeah. Uh, they can't make a call because it's a dead zone. Yeah. We're not going to explain that just now. We'll explain it in a bit, but we'll just leave that hanging there because you know what a dead zone is. No, no. But then again, I don't know what a time storm is and I don't know why time is broken here. But Lara Croft does because yeah. nothing fucking phases this woman. A husky jumps through an floating orb of light, yes. becomes tendons, then becomes a husky again. And Lara Croft sees that happen and goes, Time storm. I mean, I just thought time storms were obviously in the game because why would you go there? God, God knows. I mean, if it was, like, it wasn't a big enough deal that people were like, but obviously and all the, the spooky, time storm. So she has a natural rapport with children because she's a woman. So all the children, the spooky children that always help her, are mm. they from the future? Like, is that was that what happened? No, no, no. What you're trying to do here is apply logic to yeah. something that defies logic. I thought logic. that was so cool. I thought she was going to go forward in time and whatever, whatever, plot, plot, plot. And then she was going to, I don't know, pay children to go, go back and tell me these things because otherwise I'll be fucked. <laughs> Do you know what? Let's give him the benefit of the doubt. Yeah, say because that was in there. I was a little hard on Simon West earlier and he has delivered one of cinema's great action movies in Con Air. Yes. So yeah. let's say that in the 130 minute cut, yeah. these are future children. Yes. And they've come back to help her because she told them to help her in yes. the past. That's, what it, that's how it plays the scene, especially when they find... When she's at the temple in Cambodia and the child goes, it's this way. Jasmine. Jasmine. <laughs> and she's like, thank you. And I, I didn't check. Should have done. Is it the same kid who's there by the dead zone? I don't think so. I, I thought it was another child. Right. Jasmine. <laughs> but not me. It's cold here. <laughs> That's not Jasmine. <laughs> yeah. So uh, Husky becomes tendons, then back to Husky. Lara goes, it's a time storm. Boring. Uh, and <laughs> Daniel Craig, thankfully, is the voice of the audience here. Season goes, holy shit! <laughs> Which is kind of what a human would do upon seeing that. Yeah. But Lara's not a human. She's invincible. I like the bit where they're doing like the dog sledding and everyone else is like, yeah, we're going... And she's like, I'm just going to do it with one hand because, <laughs> because I can. I didn't check this and I meant to. Apparently it's quite an unpleasant experience being on a dog sled because right. the huskies are quite often shitting as yes. they're running and then all the shit is flying backwards wow! onto you. I didn't know so that. So if you're a, uh, I don't know what they're called, husky driver... Husky operator? I've absolutely no idea. Husky operator? <laughs> then quite often you're covered in shit. I didn't know that. Mm, yeah. Fascinating. Yeah, it's... Uh, they don't put it in the brochure. You can't put, like, you know when you have ceremonial horses and they put a bag on the back of them, like, to, like, the Lord Mayor's Parade and stuff like that, so there's not just, like, horse shit on the streets. Do they? Yeah, oh, my God, you have seen that, definitely. There's always horse shit, though. That's part of the fun. It's I've like, seen a nappy on the nappy. Watching the BBC cut away from a shitting horse is part of the joy of watching the coronation. <laughs> I've seen horses with the bags on the back to catch it. I've seen that. And if I haven't seen it, I've just invented it, and that's a brilliant idea. I think you've invented it. Wow. That would make a horse self-conscious. <laughs> You know. It doesn't hurt. It's like no, but you'd be like if one of the horses you were riding alongside didn't have a bag, yeah. it'd be like. Pfft. Can't, yeah, can't, I can't handle your shit. <laughs> I see. Yeah. Honey horse. <laughs> so you can put that on the huskies, that's what I'm saying. Sure. So travel operators, listen. Okay. It's a thought. Great. Yeah. Little colostomy bags for the huskies. Just, or plastic bags. Or whatever. Na- nappies. Nappies that needs to be fancy. Yeah, huskies look really cool. Put it in a nappy. Not so cool. <laughs> Not so cool. Uh, this set is pretty cool, though. These rotating planets done practically. Yeah, really? I mean, it's kind of a boring scene, unfortunately. Yeah, yeah. But they, they, right. they've, they've built that, which is something, you know. But you have a $100 million plus budget. $115 million is costing 2001. It's not a cheap movie. No, but those. But, oh, but it is fun to, for it to be real, but they do look quite cheap. Mm. You know what I Yeah. A bit theme park. Yeah. She sees her father. She goes into the time storm. Yeah. Sees her father as a fucking go at him. <laughs> She's been moaning about missing her dad. She turns and goes, uh, so you were in the Illuminati? Miss telling me that, didn't you, you dick? And he's like, I'm your real father. <laughs> don't true. speak don't to, me like that. to me like that. So, yeah, um, comes back. There's a knife that was thrown at Daniel Craig who had died. Yeah. Now... She just turns that around, does she? Tell me this. Why does she not just flick it? That would be so badass. The mm. knife is heading towards Daniel Craig. She just goes, ping. 
yeah. turns it round, but she goes like it doesn't like it's broken. Like oh fucking hell! No, the mechanics of it are very difficult. So if something is stuck in time, is it super stuck or can you flick it? Mm. I've no idea. <laughs> the film doesn't have an idea. <laughs> no one has an idea. But it is quite cool watching Ian Glenn unable to move, and then like you, you sort of. You imbue a consciousness on him, like he's watching her do this, and there is literally nothing he can do about yeah. it. Yeah, although she's I mean, I know it's time. an easy story beat to to, to well, it's too easy to attribute everything to Indiana Jones, but it, they have Last Crusade in it, which is like she doesn't want to do the thing. If you don't do the thing, this person will die. You have to do the thing. Mm. So that's a bit cheap, but but probably not on purpose. You know, it's quite common, but it just makes you think of that. Well, he gets a knife in him and, hang on a second, sports yeah. massage paid off because it turns out he likes the pain. When he pulls that knife out, he's like, yeah, harder. He's doing it harder. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Uh, they've got all the energy for a massive hand-to-hand fight for some reason. <laughs> so, yeah, they have a fight, which I feel goes on a bit long, but there you go. And we're done. We're back in the mansion. And uh, proper Chekhov's gun it. Uh, Chris Barry, yeah. at the start, he's like, my lady should be more gracious or something. Uh-huh. Now she's in a dress. Yeah. But whomph, robot's back. <laughs> she's going to fight it in a dress. <laughs> she's got her two guns. And we fucking event horizon the shit out of this by <laughs> slamming into a 90s dance tune. Oh, I know. <laughs> And I'm I like, felt annoyed by that. No. I love that song so much. It's cool. It's such a. It's so cheesy that it actually crosses the threshold of being. Oh, that's cheesy. Into that's brilliant. Freeze frame on her with her two guns, and yeah. that kicks in. Yeah. Maybe it's because the song's so cool. You didn't Sounds, like it. I don't like the use. That's one of my. It's just a cherished song, and I think you have like sapped it. You've taken all its goodness to make up for the shit end of your film. <laughs> They should work in harmony, but the song is better than the film at that point. I don't know. I put it in the same category as funky shit from the end of Prodigy, where you just slam on a banging tune at the yeah, end of your movie. Get away with anything. I'm, literally, that's it. People leave the cinema going, mm-hmm. Yeah, that's true. Oh, I think I had a great time. I think I had a good time. Where's my head at? Where was her head at? Where's the head of this movie at? <laughs> oh, wait, there's no logic. Oh, I'm back to hating it. But no, that was Tomb Raider. Yep. <laughs> Here it was. Great. I feel, uh, I don't know whether it's the jet lag, but I feel that analysis of the film made about as much sense as the film. <laughs> but I weirdly enjoyed it. And I'm not sure exactly why, but there was something about this movie. And I think because I was watching it, full disclosure, at about 4 a.m. LA time, being unable to sleep because of jet lag in LA, the other kind of jet lag where you're wide awake mm. as opposed to dying on your feet. <laughs> and I was watching this movie and I was like, I don't know whether it's because I'm so tired that this isn't making sense or because the movie's not making sense, but then I'm pretty sure the movie doesn't make it sense. It doesn't make sense. Good. Okay. Uh, that's your lot. Any more? No. No, you sure? Yeah. Really? <laughs> All right, let's do the bits then. What is the best scene in Lara Croft, Tomb Raider? Um, so... Solving the puzzle at the end, running up the pyramid, it's so daft, but I, I just, I don't know if it's because I was a bit starved of these moments earlier, but when they're like, how, I was like, how is she going to do this? And when they're both running up a pyramid in space time somewhere? It's a time storm. It's a time storm. So I don't know where they physically are. It doesn't matter. It's a kind of a race to the top, which is easy enough for me to understand. I didn't I like understand that. the bit where she wins. So he yeah. goes, ah! Why does he slip down the pyramid? Because <laughs> she beat him. Yeah, such a good point. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that's my favourite bit. Okay, that's, a, that's a, I, I like that bit too. Uh, I, I do like the wind blowing through the cobwebs because it's Last Crusade. I do love this. an incredible shot where you just like... Freaking Simon West, when he does it right, he does it right. They're walking, they've landed. Uh, it was shot in Iceland, so I don't know where it's meant to be in the movie, but it was shot in Iceland, so it's the dead zone. And they've been dropped off, and they're walking towards camera, and it's slow motion, and they're real helicopters behind them. Yes. And you're just like, like, just th- th- those odd shots that just look like a work of art. It's just like, the, you know, I've got this thing about actual military-grade machinery done for real in a movie, I like, that, and yeah. made to look cool. Oh, it's a great moment. It's not my favourite, though. Um, I think I like the... Because these are just literal scenes, <laughs> uh, moments, shots almost. I do like the bit where it is Tomb Raider, where they're fighting stone monkeys, Mm -hmm. a statue of Kali. Mm -hmm. It doesn't matter that it doesn't make any sense. It's kind of what I paid my money to see. Sure. So there you go. That scene. Most valuable whatever. Angelina Jolie, obviously. Once you get past the accent, which does take about five minutes, 
Um, I think she's absolutely perfect. She's like the perfect woman for this. I cannot see anyone else in it. It's they landed on their feet when they got her. I think uh, it would have been Chris Barry if he was in it more, but he's not. So yeah, I agree. Angelina Jolie. I, I do believe she does try and make a video game character into something resembling a person, while the script consistently attempts to prevent her doing so. <laughs> yeah, and this is it's such a low bar when you go to work and they're like, but you didn't have to squash a millipede between your boobs. So sort of fucking morning, I suppose. <laughs> and finally. I mean, we should almost skip over this because I don't think there is anything you'd change about this. But, I mean, if you've got something, dive in. It just sounds like nonsense. I'll just tell you what I've re- I'm reading it and I was like, I don't even know what that means. Don't collapse the characters. Oh, no, then I do collapse the characters. So back, back more on that in a minute. Collapse the plot points. I got so, I'm not an idiot, but sometimes I am an idiot, right? And then we go to Venice and they're like, you have one week. I'm like, oh, one week. 5,000 years. Oh, right, okay, 5,000 years. Then we go somewhere. In 72, 72 minutes? What is, is that a two hour? How long is 72 minutes? I don't even really know. Hour and a bit? Yeah. So, and then there's something else and something else. There's so many numbers and there's so many false crises. What is it? I've got it written down because I wrote it down. Uh, the final alignment takes place in 66 hours and 53 minutes. Fucking stupid. Hell of a ticking clock. <laughs> 66 what hours. What is 66 hours? <laughs> Two, three days. It's so annoying. <laughs> Why not say three? Does three days sound too long? Three days does sound too long. So just say six hours. It's so stupid. Yeah. Anyway, then collapse the characters. So Ian Glenn and Daniel Craig are the same person. Her yeah, old flame okay. is her enemy. Easy. So how does that work at the end, though? I don't know. Okay, yeah. But I'm sorry. I shouldn't have asked. <laughs> uh, so uh, mine is, you cannot have a Tomb Raider movie that takes almost half of its 88-minute runtime to reach an actual tomb. Fair enough. I don't think the fake tomb at the start counts because we're just settling into our seats then. Yeah. We're getting ready for this. Uh, just 40 minutes before we're actually in an exotic location. Yeah. I mean, I'm pretty sure the game... because they were so busy. I understand it. It's what it's sold out. It makes me mad as hell. But it's like, we do need to see her thighs pretty like pretty early on. Because you mm-hmm. think of Lara Croft and you think guns strapped to very nice thighs. And Stuart Baird was obviously like, oh, we could, I don't know, I could chop and change this. Or I could just go thighs, 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 thighs. And that's what you get for the opening 15 minutes. Yeah. For no, it doesn't mean, if, you, if she wasn't Lara Croft, right? You'd be like, what's wrong with this film? <laughs> that we're constantly on the thighs of this lady. It makes no sense. Yeah. I, I, fine. Do it at the start. But just get, get, get us abroad. Get us somewhere exotic. Start globetrotting. It's like if you watch Raiders and their first 40 minutes of Raiders of the Lost Ark. Is it university? Was it university? <laughs> yeah. It was Indy doing lectures. Yeah. It's just like, what's happening? Why? Put the hat on. Get out. So, yeah. And that is your lot. Really well Team done. Radio. Really well done. Thanks. Considering. Yeah, I'm, I'm quite happy with how that went. Yeah, I'll, you should be. But I'll let, I'll, I'll, I'll let Twitter be the judge of whether. Oh, I don't know if that's well, a good that's idea. That's a terrible idea. Yeah, cut that I'll, out. I'll, I'll take that back. <laughs> uh, right then. Next week. Do you have a clue? Oh, for fuck's sake. No. I knew you were going to ask me this. I'm not even here next week. I know, but I think that makes it your choices. But then these were your choices. Were... I'm not even... I've got a clue. Mine's terrible. But right. your clue for next week's pairing with Chris and myself is back to school. It's fucking terrible. Isn't that the name of one? Oh, sh- <laughs> it might be. Chris, is, Chris sent me two and I was like, I don't know that they were. Chris's is higher education, but... Pretty sure that doesn't work. Anyway, back to school slash <laughs> higher education. Good luck. One of the movies you will get. The other movie, I'm giving you more of a clue. One of the movies is definitely a movie that you will get because it's almost a title that I just gave out. <laughs> but the other movie is slightly more obscure. So have fun with that. We'll be delivering a second clue on Twitter at ClashPod. And that is it for this episode. We'll be back on Thursday talking Uncharted and seeing which film... Lara Croft, Tomb Raider, or Uncharted is the victor this week. Until then, please subscribe on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your pods. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram and TikTok at ClashPod. We'll be back on Thursday. Have a great week. Bye-bye. Clash of the Titles is a stack production and part of the Acast Creator Network. 
They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.